Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. We're both wearing tuxedos because it is the premier event of our calendar. Yep. I feel like we need some theme music for this or something like that. You know, the, the annual quarterback draft breakdown. We'll work on that for next year, 2019. Maybe we can get uh, the NFL's bum, 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 bum yes, theme yes. music. Maybe, I don't know, what if we slowed it way down? Would that count? Could we just... I think so. Sure. Yeah. I, I, you know, people are, if they're listening to this, they're listening to it on one and a half speed anyway. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, it's the quarterback preview. It's time. Um, Matt, this is where you thrive. There are five potential first rounders, I think it's fair yeah. to say. Yeah. Some, some thought that, uh, that maybe Mason Rudolph sneaks in there too. I don't necessarily believe that yet, but you know, things, things get weird on draft night. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, pretty clearly, you know, our, our top five are Darnold, Rosen, Allen, who have been the, the big three since pretty much last year at this time when, when, you know, attention started to get paid to the 2018 class and none of them have dropped off. And then they've been joined by uh, two Heisman winners, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. So looks like all five have a pretty good chance to go in the first round, certainly four of them. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an interesting crop. Let's go just right out the gate. Let's rank them top five and then talk about the guys. Yeah. And, and, you know, ranking them is so tough. I mean, are we ranking them? I mean, what, what do you want? Are we ranking them by how we think they'll go in the draft? If you uh, want, how, how you would, how you would project them all else being equal because yeah. we'll, you know, We'll never know what happens to whichever one of them gets drafted by right. the Jets if they had gone to a functioning franchise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing that makes it so hard to project this. As much fun as I look forward to this, it is it is a total. And we talked about this last time. It is an, a, such an unknown art of you know how you how you project these guys, where they go, who they play for, coaches, teammates, all of that. We don't know that yet. Um, but yeah, let's let's do it in the order of I guess let's say you know where where we think their careers will end up. I am first and foremost. I mean, here's my fear. I like Josh Rosen the best, but if yeah. he winds up on the Jets, it's over. It's you well, know. you know, and I and I think that's the caveat we have to put on all these guys is you know fit is such a big part of it um you know as we've discussed many times over the years you know you look at certain guys um david carr is one that comes to mind a really talented quarterback who went to a really not good situation and his career was never what it was supposed to be you know he had a nice workmanlike journeyman career played for about a decade but certainly never the player he was expected to be um and then you get a guy like aaron Rodgers, who you know went and sat and was able to, you know, take over a pretty good franchise and a good team. And, you know, you see the difference. So fit is such a huge thing, but we don't know those fits yet. So, yeah, I mean, you, you know, we just kind of have to, as you said, all things being equal. Um, you know, if you – I'm not opposed to Rosen at all. I like Rosen a lot. I wouldn't have him number one, probably number two. So I go Rosen, Darnold, Allen, Jackson Mayfield. So mine's not all that different. I, I go Darnold Rosen one and two. Um, I would take Allen third, um, but 
think he's a huge project who needs a lot of time. Uh, you know, if you're taking Josh Allen to start in 2018, I think that's a very bad move. Um, I would probably go Mayfield four, Jackson five, because of and, and we're going to talk Lamar Jackson. I'm sure at length here. Maybe the most of, of all these guys. I just don't know how his game will translate to the NFL. Love the guy in college. Think he absolutely deserves the chance to play quarterback in the NFL. But I think the questions about him are legitimate questions. Well, let's start with number three, Josh Allen. Okay. Three on okay. both of our lists. Yes. Carson Wentz is not the good comparison. Carson Wentz was ready to play. It's it's a lazy comparison because they played for the same head coach. But aside from that, there isn't a whole lot of similarities. But every you know every you know guy like us, Joe fan. Yeah, will make that jump first, and they'll say, "Well, look, <laughs> yeah. Car- yeah. Carson Wentz came from a smaller school, and look how Small ready to school, play he was. Played in a pro style offense for Craig Bowl, and and yeah, but uh, you know, much different player in the way they played. I mean, they have similar size. You know, they they can both move around. Um, you know, both have big arms, but yeah, Wentz um, was seasoned. He had uh, had a lot of reps as a starter. Um, Allen doesn't, you know, Allen, Allen is a, is a very interesting one because he's a totally out of nowhere guy. I mean, you talk about Josh Rosen and, and Rosen is a guy who from the time he was a high school junior was supposed to be here, talked about as the first round draft prospect. And here he is. Josh Allen was nowhere on that radar. No one wanted him. He went to a junior college. Still, nobody really wanted him except for Wyoming. Uh, he red shirts his first year there, and all of a sudden, you know, after a pretty good first year as a starter, he's a booming draft prospect. I mean, it's it's a it's a bizarre story how he got here. I think that if he winds up, you know, getting the opportunity to sit mm-hmm. for two years, he's in good shape. If if some team yeah. would do what the Bengals did for Carson Palmer and yeah. draft him and say, he is not starting. Do not ask. Yeah. Yes. The Bengals did yes. that. They said, John Kitna is our starter. Do not ask. Yeah. Yeah. There's well, not a competition. There's not an open question. It's, it's not his job. You're waiting. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I think that's the best result for him. He is uh, very rough around the edge. He's a lot of talent, you know, a, a world of talent in his arm strength and his ability to, you know, to move and, and, you know, create plays. Uh, I mean, you can see some Carson Wentz, you can see some Ben Roethlisberger, but it, it's going to take some harnessing and some fine tuning. Um, and, you know, the lesson to be learned over the years is that, you know, throwing a guy out there when he's not ready, it's really hard to ever you know, correct that course. If you throw him out there as a rookie and he's not ready and he starts to struggle and he develops bad habits, it's real hard to change that midstream. So, I mean, the Browns are the number one pick. Their Mel Kuyper has been consistent, having Allen number one from the start of the mock draft season. And they are kind of positioned to do just that. They have Tyrod Taylor. They signed Drew Stanton. They could they could take a bold stand and say, this is our guy of the future, but he's not seeing the field this year. Tyrod Taylor's our guy. If he gets hurt, we've got a good veteran backup who can play. And this guy will not play unless, you know, all hell breaks loose. Um, but that's hard to do when you take a guy number one. I mean, it's easy to say. It's hard to actually do. Well, you're going to be selling the jerseys and you're going to have the yeah. fans, especially if they are yeah. struggling, saying, well, yeah. why not? 
Exactly. I mean, it's it's the same thing that happened with Jared Goff, and and you know, I'm not the biggest Jeff Fisher fan for a lot of reasons. I don't think Jeff Fisher's that good of a coach, but they took him number one, and the idea was, you know, he's not going to play right away. He needs time, and it just became like this this lynch mob mentality of what are you doing not playing Jared Goff? The team stinks. Well, when they put him in, he wasn't ready. Uh, he really had a terrible rookie season when he did play. Now he corrected course and played very well last year. Um, but you know, it's, it's hard to do. There's a lot of pressure and to play that guy and see what you've got in him. Um, and especially if Hugh Jackson is you know trying to save his job, which he, he very well might be. I mean, being one in 31 in two years is not good for job security. Uh, and so, you know, if things get dicey there and they struggle, well, let's see what the kid's got. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll develop this kid. So give me more time. So it'll be interesting. I, ultimately, I don't think he goes number one. Um, I think that's a little bit of bluster right now. But they have the scenario that you suggested. The flip side, though, is if Cleveland decides to take a quarterback number one and play him mm-hmm. in a Joe Thomasless Cleveland era, yeah, that's a problem. Whoever it is, I, agree. I mean, yeah, having I mean, a veteran like Tyrod Taylor will help, I guess. Sure, sure, and and I think that's their plan, regardless of who they take. Is you know Taylor's going to be the starter, and they're going to give that guy some time, and and all of these guys could use some time. I mean, uh, I think Darnold and Rosen are the most most ready, but you know they're they're both young. Darnold's been a starter for two years, really a year and two thirds. Um, Rosen was a three-year starter, but missed a good chunk of two of those seasons with injuries, especially sophomore year. So, you know, none of them have, um, you know, 40 college starts to their name and a whole bunch of time, you know, experience. Like Everybody could use a little bit more time to develop. I know they won't do it, and this is a digression from our quarterback focus. Cleveland would be better served taking Bradley Chubb, one, and... Barkley four, I think. Yeah, I I don't think that. I think they need to get their guy. I think they have they have passed the last two years when they could have had Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson, and and you just can't keep pushing the ball down the road. Um, I think they need to they need to take a guy. Uh, you know, I, I see your point. Um, you know, and and it's it's got some merit, but I'm not scared off of taking a quarterback high in the draft, especially not now when when guys don't make as much money. And and you get you know that opportunity to evaluate them while they're not killing your your salary cap for four or five years. Um, take that guy, and and if he's not the right guy, you can always move on to the next guy in three years. Fair enough. Josh Rosen is hated by Jim Mora Jr. I think. <laughs> well, who knows? I, I I mean, did you read the Josh Rosen big ESPN magazine interview that came out today? Uh, I skimmed it in preparation yeah. for our discussion, but I cannot speak about it in depth. I, I mean, I, I read it all just you know an hour or so ago when I got home, and uh, he's an interesting character. He really is, and, you know. He's he's uh, uh, different than than a lot of guys. And then the Mora thing came up in that interview, and you know his his response, you know, was basically, and I found this interesting, you know, rather than try to dispel it, like you know, no, I'm a great, I'm an easy guy to handle. His response was. You know, people say something's radioactive. Well, if you harness what's radioactive, you get something pretty special. Um, and that's all he said. And and I, I thought that was a, a real interesting take from a guy who has a lot of them. 
Like he's just he's just different. He's not created in the same laboratory that a lot of these guys are. The flip side is Darnold. I think is created in that lab. He is. He is. He's, yeah. I mean, I I think Darnold is the safest pick. We, you and I have discussed this over the years. Uh, you know, who's who's the guy that if he fails, you know, you might get fired anyway. But the the safest pick. That you could say, well, geez, you know, we picked the guy who we thought was going to be successful. He wasn't. Oh well, is Darnold? He's he, you know, he's got the he's got the size, he's got the arm, he's got the mobility, he's got the background, the personality, you know. And, and I like Darnold. I, you know, I had him number one of those five. I, you know, but he's also the safest pick. He, you know, you're not taking a huge risk taking Sam Darnold. If he fails, he fails. But, you know, there's not a huge flyer. Whereas everybody else, maybe not Rosen, but certainly the other guys, you know, there's there's pretty big downside with them too, it seems. Darnold didn't come out and say, I don't want to play there. Or have his people leak he didn't want to play there. Yeah. In Cleveland you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And not to say it's like the Bucks getting Jabari Parker because he – said he wanted to play in Milwaukee, but right. saying nothing about Cleveland as a quarterback is kind of a ringing endorsement as a rookie quarterback. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's, he said all the right things again, you know, he's, he's the guy who kind of, you know, he's, he's the guy who you'd want your daughter to, you know, bring home. Uh, I mean, you know, he, the story from last week, you know, he, he canceled his plans so he could go throw at a makeup pro day for Ronald Jones because Ronald Jones couldn't take part in USC's pro day. Like, that's the type of stuff that, you know, teams eat up. They eat up those type of stories. Whoever he goes to, whether it's the Browns or whoever, their PR department will have a field day with stuff like that uh, because they'll love it, you know. And, and I don't know if it's phony or not. I'm not saying it is or isn't. Don't know him. Um, but, you know, he's he's the guy who says the right things, and he has about Cleveland. You know, I am gonna I want to go wherever anybody wants me. I, you know, it's it's a dream to play in the NFL, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. It'd be an honor to be the first lines. pick. Right, exactly. You know, so I I still think, I think it seems like we've kind of zeroed in on it's either going to be Darnold or Allen that go number one. Uh, Rosen seems to have kind of fallen out of the discussion for the Browns, at least. Um, I still think they're going to take Darnold because I just think that is, once again, the safer and probably smarter pick. If I had to bet on somebody... You, if you you know if you told me right now I got a bet you know five hundred dollars of my own money who's going to be a successful NFL quarterback Darnold or Allen I'm betting that money on Darnold now I may lose it maybe Allen hits a home run but I think Darnold has a better chance to still be a starter in five years Allen could be out of the league if things don't go well he could be a big bust yeah it's one of those the basement is yes. a lot higher. Yeah, yeah. I think reasonably Darnold is a middle-of-the-pack NFL starter. A, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of a, of a comparison. Um, Blake Bortles? Uh, yeah, the Blake Bortles, a, a Joe Flacco. I mean, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl, but really, for the most part, Joe Flacco's been an average quarterback. I think that's worst case with Darnold. He is that type of player. Best case is, you know, he's a, uh, a Tony Romo, a... Aaron Rodgers, you know, type of guy. I mean, Romo's a comparison I've heard from him a lot because of his, both his mobility and his, his penchant for turnovers. I think it's a good comparison. I mean, he has that playmaking ability 
he's got to harness the you know the the decision making a little bit. Uh, but I think he can. I mean that that comes with coaching and experience and. You know, and and I'm, that doesn't worry me that much because we don't know what he was asked to do in USC's offense, and an NFL team may ask him to do something different, and those turnovers may come down as a result of that. I think that is fair. I don't foresee an Aaron Rodgers-like career, but that is biased. But no one foresaw that in Aaron Rodgers. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, you know, like you there's, don't. I mean, no a reason one... that Aaron Rodgers fell to twenty-four because people didn't see he was going to be this guy. So. So, I mean, you know, I, I guess I'm thinking more of guys who just have that, that little bit of athleticism, you know, in the way they play the game, that little bit of, of swagger and, and, you know, get out of the pocket and make plays that normal quarterbacks don't make. Those are two guys I think of because they can both. I mean, and you know, I wasn't a big Romo fan, but Romo was dangerous. I mean, when he would move around and he'd, you know, spin around in the pocket and he'd get out and he'd make those throws and, you know, he'd make you pound the table because, you know, you're rooting for the other team. And God, how did he do it? Darnold seems to have that ability a little bit. You brought up Joe Flacco, and it makes me want to ask you, and, I, and I'm embracing your Manning family bias. Okay. Is Eli Manning that much more special of a quarterback than Joe Flacco on quarterbacking? Um, I would say so, yeah. Uh, and again, yes, I'm biased, but um, Eli Manning has had some really good years. Those years have not usually coincided with the team being really good. But you look at, you know, 2014, 2013, he had some really good seasons. And the team around him wasn't very good. They, their defense fell apart after that second Super Bowl. Um, Flacco, to me, has never had years that good. I mean, and, and, you know, here's the fact. Eli Manning has done twice what Joe Flacco did once. So maybe that's, you know, uh, not a fair comparison, but at the same time, two is better than one. And he has gotten hot and carried a team to two championships where Flacco's only done that one time. I agree. I just am asking because Eli Manning, to me, is a very good quarterback who has found himself in exceptional circumstances at times and taken full advantage of them. Taking advantage, yeah. And, and you know, you, you say that, and I know that that's, that's, I mean, it's not altogether inaccurate to say, certainly, you know, they've they had great pass rush and, you know, the, they, they didn't win those Super Bowls solely because of Eli Manning, but no one does. Tom Brady hasn't won five Super Bowls solely because he's Tom Brady. He's won because... You know, you win Super Bowls as a team. You don't yeah, win them on your own. Because he's Tom um, Brady with Bill Belichick. With Bill Belichick and, and, you know, for the first three, especially a great defense. You know, we forget that as, as time has gone on because he's had such a great career. Like, they had really good defenses early in his career. Um, you know, so you say that about the Giants. But at the same time, both of those teams were wildcard weekend teams. So were they really, like, you know, people say, oh, man, he had these great defenses to play with. Well, if they were really that great, why didn't they go 14-2? and two? You know, I mean, the, the one team had to win three road games. The second one won the East at, like, 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six, and then had to win two road games. Like, it's not like either one of those teams was a, was a you know, dominant force. They were decent teams who got hot at the right time, both of them. Fair. So, I don't know. I mean, and, and I think, too, and I don't know, you know, Flacco hasn't played as long, but like the notion that Eli Manning has only been good in those two Super Bowl years, like he's going to end up with probably, I mean, he's already got over 100 wins as a starter, which is block Hall of Fame. 
every guy who's got 100-plus wins as a starter is in the Hall of Fame that's eligible. He's going to end up with 50,000 yards. He's over 300 touchdowns. Like His career is pretty darn impressive. For a guy who they say, oh, his regular season numbers aren't that good, actually they are. Now, some of that is due to simply being available, but that's a testament too. I mean, the guy, you know, he's missed one game, and that's because of idiot Ben McAdoo in the last 13 and a half years. That's pretty good. Not a lot of guys could say that. Yeah, that was a stupid move by McAdoo. It was. It was. You know, so that's a different discussion. But, um, you know, and you, you mentioned Eli Manning. That's been the conversation. And the Giants, obviously, have the two-pick. Is Do they take the successor? You know, Josh Rosen has been a guy that, that's been kind of compared to Eli Manning for a long time now because of their body styles, the, you know, the way they play. It's not a bad comparison. I don't think it's exact. Uh, you know, supposedly they love Sam Darnold. If they can get him at two, they're going to take him. That's the that's the thought, at least. Um, I don't know what they'll do. They're they're obviously an interesting pivot point. Does someone trade up with them to get that two pick in front of the Jets? Uh, you know that that'll be an interesting plot point as we get there in a couple weeks. Let's talk about the Heisman Trophy winners. Okay, Baker Mayfield to me is a poor man's uh, Sam Bradford. He's same system. Yeah. Not built in perfect quarterback dimensions at all. True, true. One, because that's what happens when you play at a good school. Right. And... Has a good story, transferring, walk on, et cetera, walk et cetera. On. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I'd rather have Jackson. I, I think that Jackson gives you. We talked about basement versus ceiling, right? Jackson could be Jeff Garcia. He could be Mike Vick. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, he, uh, or he could be, you know, Troy Smith and a backup and out of the league. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're both uh, different. You know, the, the you, you know the the three guys we talked about are the guys who look like NFL quarterbacks. You know, they they measure up. They've got the the height, the weight, the arm strength, all those things. Just you know, that's why they've been the big three from last year because they look the part. Those two guys don't. You know, Mayfield's short. Jackson is not short, but he's very thin. Uh, you know, not not a very sturdily built guy like a Cam Newton or someone like that, you know, given that style. Um, and they both, you know, rely on running around and kind of creating things. And I'm not sure that either one of them will be successful. I, I am not a big Baker Mayfield fan. You know that, um, you know, he's he's uh, he could be successful. But I am not seeing what some people are seeing in that he is any more special than, say, you know, Graham Harrell at Texas Tech. Like, what what are people seeing in him because he put up these monster numbers at Oklahoma? Okay, that's what college systems do now. I I mean, I I heard this comparison all year. Look at these numbers he's putting up. Well, yeah, so are a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, that's college football nowadays. How big... Do you th- or what weight do you think Lamar Jackson weighed in at? Oh God! I mean, I would assume probably one ninety, something along those lines. Like I don't, I just don't think he's very big at all. I mean, he might be skinnier than that. I don't know. Do you have it? What the combine weight was? According to ESPN, his measured weight 
was 216. Yeah, I'm not buying that. I don't know. I mean, maybe uh, he certainly didn't seem to look like that when he played. Maybe he's put on some some muscle and some weight, you know, but he's just, he reminds me that, you know, the comparison's been Mike Vick. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Robert Griffin. Uh, you know, similar kind of offenses in college. Mike Vick didn't play in the spread offense because there was no such thing as a spread offense at that time. Um, you know, if he Griffin, had, yeah, he would have won the Heisman every He year. would have been incredible, yeah. You know, but they did, you know, yeah, he ran around a lot, but they both, you know, everything was in the shotgun, um, you know, a lot of cold plays, and Robert Griffin was a, you know, a supernova in the NFL. He, he hit the ground running, and my God, he was the biggest star in the world for about 13, 14 weeks. Um, and then he got hurt and, you know, now he's, you know, he's been out of the league for over a year. He's, he's, you know, now trying to earn a, a roster spot with the Ravens, you know, good for him to get back and have a chance, but he'll never be the player he was supposed to be because of the injuries and the way his, his game never adapted. Um, so Lamar Jackson could have that type of initial success maybe, but when the league catches up to him, is he going to be able to be a consistent enough passer? That's my biggest question with him. He's got, He's got wild plays when he throws the ball. There's times he'll make throws and you think, my God, this guy is, is a, a, you know, a legend. But the consistency was never there at Louisville. And I watched a lot of him because I liked him. I picked him to win the Heisman two years ago. Um, and he was electric. But, boy, there were times where the ball would sail on him. Uh, he'd throw it short. Just those, those mechanical, fundamental inconsistencies that I don't know if those can be corrected. Lamar Jackson's combine measurements were six two and a quarter, two hundred and sixteen pounds, which is comparable to what Andy Dalton measured in at, at the yeah. combine. He's plenty tall enough. I mean, uh, you know, Bill Poley and uh, you know, I know say, oh, he's he's short. He's not short. He's plenty tall enough. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson is probably not six feet, and he's, he's two successful. inches taller than Baker Mayfield. Right. So, so and Drew Brees is, is not a short. Concern. Sure, sure. I mean, he, he's plenty tall enough to make it work. I don't think that's a. My worry is his body style. Can it can it withstand the punishment of being a runner? I mean, we've seen a guy like Cam Newton, as big and sturdy as he is, he's probably you know two seventy five. He still gets banged up. I mean, he, he had a shoulder surgery a year ago. He's you know he's had injuries. He's had wear and tear, and he is as big and sturdy as they come. Uh, and Lamar Jackson is nowhere near as big and sturdy as Cam Newton. Uh, so I just don't know that he can be that style. And, and like, you know, like we always see, like in the NFL, there's, there's no, um, Syracuse. There's, there's no Wake Forest. Like you're, you're playing good, good defenses every week, really fast. The worst defense in the NFL has several really fast, really strong top guys who can make plays. Like, that's what it is every week. And better coaches of those defenses. So you can't just run around. You can't just snap the ball to the guy and say, you go make plays and, and you know, run for 200 yards. They can do that at Louisville sometimes. That's not going to work in the NFL. It, it just doesn't. It didn't work with Mike Vick. didn't work with Robert Griffin. You have to be able to do other things. Prop bet for you. Lamar Jackson's first touchdown will be a pass. One to seven odds. You have to pay seven to get one. Will be a a run, even money. (laughs) Will be a catch, three to one. Or will be a return on special teams, ten to one. I'm going to go run. I'm going to go run. 
I know that's the safest bet, but um, I think the perfect place for a guy like Lamar Jackson, and this is going to go into my, my pick there, is a place like, I'll give you two teams, New England or New Orleans. Old veteran quarterbacks who are going to be the starter, but creative coaches who would find a way to use him next year. All the while, you know, coaching him up to be a quarterback. I don't, I'm not suggesting he be switched to wide receiver right away, like some have. Um, although we should talk about that a little bit. Um, but I think they'll find a way to, you know, imagine him with the Patriots. They'd get him on the field for five snaps a game as a, as a, a gimmicky running back or wide receiver. Two-point like conversion that. Like, plays. That, yeah, they would they would use him, you know, like, I hate the Patriots, but boy, what a fit that would be. Like, they, you know, groom him to be the heir apparent in a couple of years, and meanwhile, find a way to get him on the field and use his athleticism for a few plays a game. You know they do it, and they'd be great at it. Yeah. Another team who I would add to your list for that, Steelers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. I, I guess I was thinking more, um, you know, Belichick's not an offensive coach, but Belichick has kind of become such a savant as much as I don't like him. Like, he, you know. Well, and Josh he, McDaniels. He's a coach. But McDaniels, exactly. And, and then Peyton, you know, the, way, the, the creativity that both of them show. Um, you know, I feel like those would be great fits. You know, the Steelers have a new offensive coordinator, so we don't know much about him. But yeah, I mean, a similar, they did that, you know, in years past. But now they switched guys. But, you know, Antoine Randall and Heinz Ward, uh, you know, Randall was a full time quarterback coming out of Indiana. They got a lot of good years out of him as a, as a receiver, you know, slash returner, slash running back kind of guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a spot there. Now, I hope he gets a chance to play quarterback. I think he he deserves that opportunity. Um, I told you a couple months ago we texted about this. I felt like there was this this fake audience, you know, fake masses who were saying he's got to switch positions. And really, who was saying that besides Bill Polian, who's just become a hot take master on ESPN? Really, like nobody was really saying that. But it, it's like people created this 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 massive opposition so they could say you're wrong. He deserves to play quarterback. Who's not giving him that opportunity? He's going to get that opportunity. I'm sure he will. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very curious with him, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, probably delve into societal topic here. But I hope, for his sake, he doesn't become the guy who thinks that anybody who tries to coach him or is critical of him is just a racist. I hope that's not the case because there's a lot of people out there right now who are on this. Like, if you don't think Lamar Jackson's the best quarterback in the draft, it's because you're anti-black. No, it's because there's legitimate questions about how his game translates to the NFL. I don't think it has anything to do with the fact he's black or not black. Um, there's just questions about it in the same way there are about Baker Mayfield. Do you think that he's going to go steaming Willie Beeman? Is that your concern? No, I'm I'm concerned about Robert Griffin. Honestly, I, I you know I believe Robert Griffin got filled up with a lot of, of egotism and and arrogance because of the success he had early, uh, and that was partly because the Redskins, you know, Dan Snyder made him a god, and he felt like he could do no wrong. And so then when it came time to being coached after his rookie year, he didn't want any part of it. And, and I think his career faltered because of that. And and that, and I don't know Lamar Jackson. I hope I just hope that doesn't happen to him. We're, we're in a time because of Kaepernick that there's a lot of people who think, you know, 
any sort of negative comment about a black quarterback is because of some huge racist conspiracy. And I just don't agree with that. Um, you know, there's Jameis Winston was the number one pick just a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, Vince Young went high in the draft. Jamarcus Russell was a number one pick. Uh, you know, so so plenty of, of, you know, black quarterbacks have been picked highly. Robert Griffin. Mike another Vick. One. Mike Vick. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's five in the last, what, decade and a half that went in the top three of the draft. So, I don't buy that, but there is legitimate questions about whether Lamar Jackson can be an NFL quarterback. Does he deserve the opportunity to answer those questions? Hundred percent, yes. But he's going to have to be coached, and so I just hope I hope that the people who are advising him, who are in his ear, and he doesn't have an agent, but you know, I just hope they're not filling him up with this. Hey, anybody who tells you to do anything different, it's because they're trying to keep the man down. Uh, no. They're trying to make you better, and uh, and that's my fear, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, that's you know, without knowing it, I I hope that's not true. I hope not I, too, and I, I don't know it, you know. But but it, it's just in the in the world we live in today, and you see it all the time on Twitter. You know, uh, oh well, you know, Lamar Jackson's the best quarterback. It's only because he's black. No, no, it's it's not. Maybe it is for some people. I don't want to speak for everyone. But I truly do not believe NFL executives are thinking, you know, Lamar Jackson is probably the best quarterback, but I'm wary of it because he's black. No. Like, I mean, come on. They're wary of him because because of the things we've talked about. Can he, can he stay healthy? Can he consistently throw the ball? Uh, those are things that are legitimate questions. Yeah. Who do you like better long-term in a vacuum, him or Mayfield, for an NFL career? I think, I think Baker Mayfield could be one of these like Chase Daniel types where he's just around yeah. forever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, now, here's where I'm going to probably maybe go against the tide a little bit of, of what I just said, but I don't think it has anything to do with race. I think it has to do with style. If Lamar Jackson doesn't work out, and this gets to your point. If he doesn't work out as a starter, I'm not sure he gets a chance to be a backup because his style, you know, if, if it doesn't work for him, like, do you really want him to be a backup quarterback? But Baker Mayfield, yeah, exactly. Chase Daniels, a great comparison. Like if he doesn't work as a starter, at the very least, he's probably a guy you can keep around because he could be a good practice guy. He could be a good number two if your starter gets hurt. His, his style is more because he's a, a pass first guy that he'll probably get a longer shelf life if his career is average whereas Lamar Jackson might not Katy Perry might show up you never know exactly exactly yeah you know so uh, I don't I don't know that's a great question I mean uh, you know and obviously these questions might be a little just a little easier to answer after the draft when we know where they go still a lot of uncertainty you know as far as where things will develop but um, you know I think for both I think Lamar Jackson is a lot like Josh Allen. He needs time. And if he goes somewhere where they, they throw him in as the starter halfway through his rookie year, that's not going to be good for him. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's so much to me about fit. If he went to a team like the Patriots, I'd take that bet and I'd take Lamar Jackson, you know. But if he goes to Cardinals, for example, and Sam Bradford inevitably gets hurt in week three, and then Mike Lennon, you know, struggles, and all of a sudden Lamar Jackson's the starter in Week Nine. I'm not sure that's a good thing. I think that would be a terrible thing for him. So we'll see. All right, you are picking. You're on the clock for the Browns. 
Yeah. Do you have any concern at all about taking a quarterback? Or no, no. I mean, for the reasons I I said earlier. But I'm just saying, if you're a new, you're the new GM. You've just come from the Packers, who you know the importance of a quarterback, but you also know you don't reach for a quarterback. True, true. No, you don't. You know, and and I agree. Um, I mean, and then look, they've done a lot more homework on these guys than than I have. I've watched them play a lot of college football. That's it. You know, they've they've interviewed them. They've met with their coaches. Their you know, trainers, their equipment guys, their families, you know, they, they know a lot more about these guys than I do. Um, but if you like one, I don't have any trepidation now, you know, and I, and I think among that group, you got, you, you got to like one, right. And you have your pick of them. You only have to like one, you don't, you know, you're not, a, you're not sitting where the jets are, where if you fall in love with one and you're, you got to hold your breath that they're not gone before three, you know, all you got to do is fall in love with one. And so if you've fallen in love with Darnold, I think you run up to the podium and take him and don't don't think twice. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's my thought. And I get it. You know, you, you factor in such a big thing that's changed in the NFL is is the salary structure, you know, with rookies. You're not you're not breaking the bank to take a quarterback number one overall anymore. You used to. Um, now you don't. So I, I think it's it's uh, an easier risk to take. Is there a non-quarterback who you would consider number one? I don't think so. Not for them. I mean, are you are you, are you just saying if I'm any team? No, I'm saying for them. If you're the Browns, yeah. would yeah, you consider so because, Barkley here? No, I don't think so because you, especially because you've got that four pick, and and you know the Jets are probably taking a quarterback. I think that's probably a, you know pretty much a certainty. You take one, so so you can get at the very worst the second best non quarterback available at at number four. That's a pretty good haul. I mean, if you leave this draft with with um, you know Darnold and Barkley or Darnold and Bradley Chubb, that's pretty solid. You know, and then you've you know, I mean they still got a bevy of picks after that in the second round, third round area. You know, so they they can load up. I mean, this it's not just those two, but you know, if you can leave with your quarterback and then maybe the top position player outside a quarterback because, you know, somebody trades up with the Giants or the Giants take a quarterback, you may get the best non-quarterback available at number four. Yeah, true. I was I was kind of of a different mindset a couple months ago before the trade with the, you know, Jets and Colts because I kind of thought, well, okay, if they, if they love multiple quarterbacks, maybe you take that position player at one and you let the guy fall to you at four. Because I figured the Colts were not going to take a quarterback. Now I almost feel like the dynamic is flipped. Because you know the Jets are going to. So at the very least, you get the second you know, non-QB on your board. If that's Barkley or Chubb or, or Minka Fitzpatrick or whoever, you, know, you can still get a really good player there at four, obviously. True. I, I think that the way you put that, makes a lot of sense because you're getting the the number one player you assume the number one player on your board is a quarterback right but if it's not you're still guaranteed the number one or two player on your yeah, board exactly exactly yeah yeah so i mean they're sitting in a in a position of strength obviously having those two picks and and, and you know then then you maybe you, you know you get creative somebody gets desperate and you know if there's if there's somebody there in that uh you know five to ten range behind you and they want to come up to four, 
and you think, well, you know, yeah, we'd like Saquon Barkley, but, you know, we spent money on Carlos Hyde. We can get a running back a little later. Okay, yeah, give us a couple picks, and we'll drop down to eight, something like that. You know, why not? I wonder what the going rate would be for that number four pick. I don't know. You know, I, I read, you know, in the in the immediate aftermath of the Jets trade, you know, it was like, oh, the, the Browns, you know, are probably disappointed because, you know, now if, if somebody trades up with the Giants, then there's no rush to get to four. I don't agree with that. Like, there, there will be a market there. Let's say the Bills trade up with the Giants. That seems to be the one that kind of gets thought. You know, the Bills trade up, they get their quarterback, Jets take one, two. So the top three are off the board. Now, all of a sudden, everybody else who might be interested in one is thinking, we got to get to four because maybe Denver's going to take one at five. So there's there's still a market there for that fourth pick if you if you want one. Yeah. I think they, there is somebody you can get yeah. to, to bite yeah. and come up. Yeah. Now, the, the weird thing is, you know, the six to ten range are teams that don't need quarterbacks. They've got young quarterbacks. I mean, I think, you know, six is Indy, which obviously luck is a question mark, but they're going in on luck. Seven is Tampa with Jameis. Uh, I think eight is Chicago with Trubisky. Nine is, is San Francisco with Garoppolo. And ten is Oakland with, the, with uh, Derek Carr. So, you, you know, you've got a gap there of teams who probably are not interested in a first-round quarterback. Then you get to Miami and Buffalo at 11-12. Those teams might be. So, it'll, you know, I don't know but how far. But they're reading the tea leaves the same way you are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, it will be interesting to see if, say, only two quarterbacks go in the top three. Let's say the Browns and the Jets take them. And then do you start, you know, what if the Broncos don't take one? They may not. They're, you know, they seem to be, you know, hiding their cards pretty well. All of a sudden, you've got three of those guys still available as you get to Miami at 11. You know, that, that makes things more interesting than we're thinking. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. You know, I mean, it's as much, much as we talk about it ahead of time, no one knows exactly how it's going to play out until that night. That's why it's so entertaining. I mean, that, it's, it's why it's become such a TV event, because it is, you know, great drama. McShay did his 1 through 100 A draft, what he thinks uh-huh. would be an A draft for everyone. He has Darnold 1, Bradley Chubb 2 to the Giants, Rosen, then Barclay, Barkley, uh, and then Denzel Ward, Quentin Nelson, Nathan yeah. Fitzpatrick. He has Miami taking Allen, Buffalo taking Mayfield at 11 and 12. Yeah. Now, I don't know where – did he have Lamar Jackson going to the Jaguars, I think? To the Jaguars at twenty nine, and then he's yeah, got which would be an interesting spot. Obviously, you know, I mean, that's that's a you know, with a team that's got so much talent on the defensive side of the ball, um, they've spent so much money there. I mean, they could they could afford to take that that flyer if he's still available for them at twenty nine. Like, why not? You know, you, their commitment to Blake Bortles was this sort of you know we'll see type of commitment. So you know, you take a chance on him, and maybe he ends up being your guy. And, and if not, that's okay too. He has no quarterback off the board in the second round, and Mason Rudolph to the Cardinals as the sixth quarterback taken. Really, in the third? Yeah, pick seventy-nine. Yeah, yeah. see, and I, you know, that's the, that's the crazy thing. You know, just to, within the last probably seventy-two hours, I swear I read. You know, there's some thought Mason Rudolph's going to go late first round. Somebody's going to, you know, so uh, the the range of possibilities is so crazy right now. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Lamar Jackson fell out of the first round. Uh, you know, I, I think that's probably the most likely of the five uh, because of the questions about him. And, you know, like he could he could be a second round pick when it comes down to it. 
But then again, if there's a run on quarterbacks and four of them go in the top five, all of a sudden, geez, Lamar Jackson might be a top ten pick. Yeah. It's like uh, it's like a good run of anything. If if you yeah. start feeling the ground shifting around you, you just don't want to be the yeah. last guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're Buffalo, you know, for them, it's probably. I mean, they're the team that kind of you know everyone's thinking is going to move up. Uh, you know, I might I might want to get a good read on what the Giants are going to do and what the Broncos are going to do because if those teams are both leaning away from a quarterback, maybe I just sit there at twelve. Or maybe I move up to 10. I don't have to pay much of a price. Just get ahead of Miami. And and I could get, you know, the third quarterback off the board, who I probably still like. You know, it's it's a tough one for them. Because then the flip side is, if the Giants and Broncos both take quarterbacks, now now the top four are gone and you're sitting at 12. I mean, do you want Lamar Jackson? I'm not sure they do. Yeah. It'll be interesting. that's what makes this so, you know, interesting is the, you know, the poker game that it is, you know, is no one's going to really reveal their intentions. Are you, are the Giants taking a quarterback? I mean, remember last year, no one, no one thought the Bears were taking a first round quarterback. And then that night, big trade, they move up to number two and they get Trubisky. Like, where did that come from? It'll be interesting. I think, yeah. I think you're on to something with Jackson to the Patriots. Uh, boy, I think it makes a lot of sense, and they've they've got that extra first round pick now that they got from the the Rams. So, like in the in the early twenties, I think uh, if he's sitting there, I think it. I mean, I know Belichick likes to wheel and deal, and he likes to get you know defensive guys who no one's ever heard of, and you know that's kind of his thing. But boy, that would be a great fit. I mean, I I'm not sure I want to see it because I hate the Patriots, but at the same time, for him, I think it'd be a great landing spot. Yeah, your Patriots hatred and your love of quarterback play will come into. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, because I think it's a great spot for him. And again, New Orleans, I think, is equally as good. I mean, imagine, imagine him employed in that New Orleans offense next year, you know, five to ten snaps a game as a slot receiver or running back. And meanwhile, they're, you know, they're working with him to be the heir apparent to Drew Brees. Like, and, you know, in, indoors, on turf. It'd be fun to watch him in that setting. If I had done my odds, but given you a hundred to one on a kick return, would that have <laughs> tempted you at all? I might have taken that. Yeah, yeah, I might have done that. I, I don't know. I mean, gosh, he's probably they never did that in college. Maybe did it in high school. Who knows? But you know, you'd, you'd be tempted, and and yet, you know, then you wonder like. How tempted are you if this guy's really your future quarterback and you believe that you don't want him to get hurt? You know, the last thing you want is you put him out there on a kick return, you know, week two and he tears his ACL and all of a sudden that rookie year of development is out the window. Yeah. I don't know. He'll be a fascinating one. I mean, they all, they all will be for different reasons. This is a fun year. I mean, to have this many big name quarterbacks and, and the exposure that we've had to really all of them, but Allen, Allen played in relative, you know, under the radar at, at Wyoming, but you know, the others, two of them Heisman winners, you know, the two guys from LA who we've heard a lot about, like it's, it's a good year for a discussion like this because there's, there's plenty that we know. This is not a, it's not like last year where it was like, who is this Mitch Trubisky guy? Do we know much about him? I mean, this year we, we know a lot about these guys. 
do you where do you think we'll look foolish? Is it that we didn't give Jackson enough credit? Is it that we were too high on the two LA quarterbacks when yeah, the others well, won Heisman trophies? It certainly could be. I mean, certainly neither one of us was uh, was all that high on Baker Mayfield. Um, and so, you know, of, of the guys that we critique, uh, you know, he's probably the one we critique the most. So if he's successful, that's the best odds for us to look foolish down the road. Um, you know, uh, yeah, that's that's the beauty of it. As we discussed last week a little bit, you know, like there's guys that both of us have thought would not be very good. And they have been. And there's guys that both of us have thought, man, I'll take that guy. Give me that guy 10 times out of 10. And but it's a good thing, you know, we didn't get that guy. And our jobs weren't dependent on that guy. Um, you know, so that's that's the thing about this. I mean, we could look foolish. But like I said at the start of this, people who get paid millions of dollars to evaluate these guys look foolish a lot, too. So I don't feel too bad. Do you have any other quarterback statements you want to make? Because if not, we need to pivot and say congratulations to the Pals on the birth of their daughter. Very exciting uh, news. Yes, yes, indeed. Very good. That's, that is good news. Um, so, as a special shout-out to them, a child. Let's talk about the other child making news, Nicholas, the WWE <laughs> momentary <laughs> tag team champion. Yes, the... One of the highlights of WrestleMania, if you will, uh, plucked out of the crowd at random. Turns totally out, at random. turns out, not random. He's the son yeah. of one of the WWE referees. Right. Correct. Yes. Yes. But uh, that was a funny little story, and 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 I'm glad it didn't continue for more than one night. Uh, I don't know that they needed to do it at all, but you know, okay, I, I can I can live with a little levity. It doesn't always have to be taken totally seriously. I guess we are talking professional wrestling at the end of the day. My Mark fandom was hot. Rewarded. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You you got to see The Undertaker at long last after many hours of watching Raw. It, it finally paid off. And he looked awesome. He did the, <laughs> the rope walkie thing. That's right. That's and, right. Even though he almost fell off. It doesn't he matter. Like he didn't fall off. Man, he didn't fall off. But he and did he, not. He did not, yeah. And he knocked John Cena all the way to the ground oh, with yeah. that move. And then the only time Cena generated any offense at all, right. the Undertaker stopped him by looking at him. <laughs> it was amazing. With the, with the sit-up. The, the, the patented Undertaker, I'm, I'm knocked out and, oh, I'm back. I'm just going to pop right back up and give you the evil stare. That is such a great wrestling thing. It is. It is. Yes. It was. I mean, the nostalgia was off the charts, as as it is with him nowadays. That's what he brings to the table. He doesn't. He doesn't bring uh, you know a thirty minute great match anymore. That, those days are over. Uh, but you know the the this, the lights going out, the sound effects, the lightning bolt. Um, you know, it's it's uh, makes us feel young again. And you could hear from the reaction of the crowd that people were into it. Listen, the. The bell tolled yes. the wa- from the time the bell tolled to the time the start of the match bell tolled yeah. was, I think, three times as long as the actual match itself. It seemed like it, yeah. And yeah, I was, was totally fine with it. Yeah, I mean, that's the best part of him now is the is the entrances, you know. And, and you know, I, I suppose that the diehard, like, technical wrestling fans probably think that's stupid, but... 
you know, that's why that's what WWE is. It's it's as much. Uh, I mean, what's in what's in the name? Wrestling entertainment. Uh, he is entertainment more than wrestling, but it sells. And and you know, uh, I was excited to see it. I mean, as much as I have thought he shouldn't come back anymore, and I probably think he should have hung it up. You know, maybe four or five years ago, really. Um, it's still, you know, I still, you know, when the when the lights first went out, and it turned out to be Elias instead. I mean, when the lights went out, I'm like, oh my god, here he is. And then it wasn't him. But then when you knew it was him and you saw him, uh, yeah, it was it was exciting. I mean, you know, it's it's not the same, but it is the same, and that's that's what makes it good. The Elias thing was a great fake out. It was. It was great way to get heat on him, which is what they want to do. And uh, he's he's over with the fans. I mean, fans are 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 on board with his gimmick. They they like to boo him. But they like to go along with it too, and you know, yeah, it was it was good. I, he got squashed, but then Cena got squashed. You know, ten minutes later, which was stunning. I, I mean, uh, give Cena credit. You know, he he laid down like that was not a that was not a match. That was just a beating for like three minutes to make the Undertaker look super strong. I think that this was a proper goodbye, although. Apparently he will fight again, but I think I think this was a setup for next year's WrestleMania, maybe or, or SummerSlam or something like that. I would love for it to be the proper goodbye, but I don't know that it is. It just the WrestleMania match last year with Reigns was not good. Was bad. He yeah. they, they missed spots. You know, yeah. Reigns effectively was trying to carry him. The match was way longer than he it did. should have been. He looked every bit 52 years old, which is what he was last year. And this year, he had the hip surgery. He was moving a little better. Yes. He didn't have didn't to do a 30-minute match. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. If you do the rematch, the rematch has to go differently somewhat. Not necessarily a different end, but you can't do another squash. And, and so if you do the rematch, it's got to be a more even fight. And I don't know that he can pull that off anymore. I think that what they need to do is have Cena come back humbled. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's why he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I mean, he, he took it. He took it, uh, you know, like, the, you know, uh, for, for the knock on him that, like, you know, he buries talent. I mean, as he, you know, was part of the storyline, but it's true. He hasn't won anything in a long time. Like, I mean, he is, he's, he's taken the fall in a lot of big matches lately. Um, and, and this was another one where, you know, they built it up and he got squashed, which is pretty rare. I mean, the only time I ever remember Cena getting squashed like that in the ones I've watched was by Lesnar a few years ago in the title match. Lesnar crushed him, um, and, you know, in a match very much like that, but longer. Lesnar just beat him up for 10 minutes and then pinned him. Um, so, yeah, you know, it was it was surprising to see it go that way. One move of offense and that's it. Similar, though, to Lesnar's match. Yeah, he just beat up Roman Reigns for that was that was nasty. God, at the end there when he when he I, opened him up there with the elbow, that that was yeah, that was pretty bad. Uh, it was gross. It was yeah, it was just gross. It was it was yeah yeah. That, that was uh, a typical Brock Lesnar match, and boy, the crowd turned on it. Uh, it's not not a good sign when you're getting this is awful chance during the main event of WrestleMania. The crowd was not into it. All they did, I think what they did, you know, in this story to try to make Reigns the popular guy was they made Lesnar less popular. 
and they made people want to turn on him because they thought he was abandoning ship for USC. They still don't like Reigns. And at the end of a seven-hour show, that was not a good capper. No. They would have been much better off with The Undertaker ending it. They would have. Or, I mean, you know, there were other matches. Now, the, like... We are the, we are one or two years away from a women's match closing it. I think maybe one. And that match was really good. The Charlotte-Oscar match was really good. That was maybe the best match of the night. The Rousey-Stephanie McMahon match was better than I thought it would be, honestly. Like, it, it, it had some stumbles, which you'd expect, but it was good. You know, it was it was much better and longer and, and more entertaining than I expected it would be. Um, and, yeah, I think, you know, we could see it as soon as next year. They could build up Rousey to be in the main event against Charlotte or somebody like that. So, um, but the big thing for me is, like, that's just too long of a show. And I think no matter what match you put in that spot, Lesnar Reigns was a particularly bad choice. But Styles Nakamura, the crowd is dead. And, that, and they love those guys. But I think by the time you're in hour six sitting, you don't want to be there anymore. Like, that's just too long. They, they've got to pare this down a little bit. I saw the last three and a half hours of it. Yeah. And yeah. I was bored. I, I was, I was worn out by the end. I, I mean, was hanging in. You know, I was hanging in because I saw Undertaker. Right. And then it was like, well, I guess there's only, you know, 30 minutes left. I'll stick yeah. with it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, now I, as you know, I, I, you know, went over to my buddy's house and his four-year-old son and we were playing basketball. And so I was a little worn out from that. But nonetheless, by the end of the show, I'm yawning. I'm like, God, you know, all I want to do is go to sleep. Uh, Like, it's just too long. I mean, and I didn't even watch the pre-show. I got over there at four for the start of the regular show. And and you're into it, but it's, it's hard to stay up for that long. And, you know, it's funny because Vince McMahon launches the XFL with the, you know, notion of nobody wants to sit and watch a three and a half hour NFL game. But then his pay-per-view is five hours plus two hours pre-show. Like, yeah, point proven, Vince. No one wants to watch that long. Yeah. And I get that they want to get as many people on the card and I get that it is the event, but. I I do too. And, And the entrances are such a grand thing that obviously takes more time when you've got. You know, Triple H and Stephanie don't just walk down the ramp. They they have their grand, you know, motorcycle entrance. And when you've got The Undertaker, that's 10 minutes right away because he can barely move. Um, that was the know, old Charlotte's, Undertaker. The new Undertaker is it was. back and uh, <laughs> No, he was still pretty slow. Uh, you know, uh, and, and you've got that long ramp, too. That doesn't – if you're going to do a dramatic entrance, it takes a while to get down that big of a ramp, you know, so – yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I, I know that that's the case. You know, you had the big entrance for Nakamura with the you know guitarist and the violins, and it's cool. That's part of what's entertaining. But you got to pare it down a little bit. You gotta you gotta either put some more on the pre-show and have the main show be less, or or shorten the matches some a little. Uh, I mean, Rousey McMahon that was a good match, but that was almost like thirty minutes. Like that didn't need to go that long. You could have done that in a shorter amount of time. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things for the casual fan, if I'm only checking in and and I'm checking back out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But, but that's not, you know, you get, you want, you know, you want the show to peak at the end and that show didn't. I mean, the fact that the crowd was dead for Styles Nakamura to me was more telling than the Lesnar Reigns. They don't like either one of those guys. Wrestling fans don't like Reigns. Uh, and, and Lesnar's, you know, not all that popular because he's always got one foot out the door. 
Um, but Styles, Nakamura, those, that's supposed to be wrestling fans' dream. And I think they were just tired by that point. I know I was. It was like, you know, oh, my God, this match. Then we still got two more after this. Yeah. But we made it through another we WrestleMania. Did. We did. It was a good show. I mean, it was not a bad show. I thought it was good. There were some definite highlights. Good to see Daniel Bryan back. That that worked out well. And like I said, the Rousey match was better than I thought. She she pulled it off pretty well. Um, Undertaker back was cool. I mean, there, there was plenty of good nostalgia. There were highlights, excitement, unpredictability. Did not think Lesnar would win. I said that, I believe, last week, that it was a 99.9% chance that Reigns would win. Was wrong on that, so I'll eat that one. Um, you know, it, it, it kept you on your toes, at least. Yeah. All in all, a fun activity. It was. It was, yeah. And that's what it's supposed to be. As we've discussed, it's entertainment. And it's, it's like, you know, spending your Sunday night watching a TV show. And I spent, it's like watching a five-hour TV show. Greg, Elisa, congrats again on the kid. Uh, yes, indeed. That's three. And the house split is now three to two boys. So that's, yeah, yeah, you know, that's very exciting. Uh, until next, oh, and no one, no one hashtag pumpernickel. So that <laughs> I guess no one wins. I guess yep. no one wins. It's, yep, yep. Another time. Yeah, but uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>